Welcome to I'm Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. Today we will be talking to Perry Arafah as part of our series on career development. If you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram, Matt Lucas Muay Thai, or email me at a period Matt period lucas at gmail.com thanks to all the people that have supported me so far sharing the podcast leaving reviews etc if you'd like to leave a review that would be super helpful you can do so on the itunes store after years of hard work studying and being in the game i publish a muay thai encyclopedia it is called i'm fighting in thailand a guide to the sport in the motherland it is a clear guide that goes over scoring, matchmaking, picking a gym, fight styles, gambling, and more. It also has a series of interviews with long-term expat fighters, including Michael Savas, Willie Whipple, Lisa Breely, Angela Chang, and others. Uh, it's intended to help guide and educate people about careers to help them to help save you from costly mistakes. You can pick up a copy off of Amazon, just type in I'm Fighting in Thailand. There are also links on my Instagram and on my website. Thanks as always to Patrick Rivera for helping me get this show started. So thank you, Perry, for coming on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Matthew? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, so you have definitely, I feel, built a career in the sport, not as a fighter, not as a gym owner, uh, not as a promoter. How do you describe your career and what you do in the sport? Um, I think for sure, definitely as a photographer and a, a media person. You know, I have my master's in writing. So for USMF, I still do quite a bit of writing for them. And now I'm uh, entering into some video work. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you feel like the the term creative or creative covers what you do, or do you feel like oh you're you're a photographer or you're a journalist or do you how would you best describe yourself as well? Yeah, I guess creative is a good word. Um, I think that's uh, a pretty broad. Uh, description there's things that I can do like you know making graphics and stuff but it's not um, it's not what I'm hired ever to do if that makes sense mm-hmm. like I know how to do some things but there's things that I'm a lot better at yeah well I would say that you have a broad range of skills uh, like you said before you've done a lot of photography I think uh, which you're very well known for. You've done some journalism and now you're doing video editing as well, plus other skills. Uh, did you originally plan to be sort of this creative in uh, the world of Muay Thai or is it something that just happened? Uh, it just happened. Um, when I was in grad school in New York, uh, I hated my job because I worked as a personal assistant for several years. And especially in New York, it's a very soul-crushing job. And, um, you know, with a master's degree and going to grad school, all my friends were 
getting hired by publishing houses or writing books and that wasn't stuff I wanted to do. My dream was always to become a journalist, maybe writing for New York Times or something like National Geographic, like I always wanted to travel. And um, I was very interested in my teammates and other fighters in the community. So I started interviewing them and then from there it took off. Yeah, and you've done a lot of interviews. You've traveled uh, pretty much everywhere around the States. Then also uh, you've done IFMA games in South America, correct? No, no, just in Thailand and in Turkey. Mm -hmm. And then um, also you are now based in the Netherlands. So that's a fair amount of travel. Uh, but, you know, it, maybe it's something that you fell into. But obviously, as you've gone along, you've made more and more choices to go down this career path. Why did you decide to do that? Um, you know, when uh, the best way I think to answer this is, uh, you know, when you think of what you want to accomplish with your life, I think if you focus on uh, very specific things, like I'm going to become X, Y, and Z, uh, I think sometimes as you get closer to that, it's not exactly what you wanted or um, things don't go the way that you hoped. Like, for example, like I said, I moved to New York. My dream was to work for the New York Times. I tried to get internships to the Times. I tried to connect with people. It was never something that really was in my past but when i thought about the bigger picture like what do i want to do i want to travel i want to talk to interesting people i want to live a life on my own terms um and i do something that i love that this is the direction that i was led to um you know what i do most of the time is right now i have three jobs that have nothing to do with muay thai and everything to do what i went to school for and um the time I mean, I make time to make this my career, but when I was in New York, focusing 100% on uh, Muay Thai, focusing on going to every fight that I could, everything that I could do, I went so much into debt. I was so broke. I um, really, really struggled for several years. And in a lot of ways for me, that was very embarrassing. Like I said, I have a master's. Uh, I'm super hardworking. I was doing everything from cleaning houses, you know, to doing whatever tasks someone would give me to do, I would do it. If it was 10 bucks, I would do it, you know? So obviously you have to do these things, you have to sacrifice, you have to work hard to get yourself to where you wanna be. But I think if you focus um, on this like very narrow view, like I'm gonna become the best uh, Muay Thai photographer in the world and I'm going to make a million dollars like that's not really sometimes that's not what's possible but if you focus on I want to travel and I want to make friends and I want to document the sport and help other people or give people these like very precious memories that they're going to cherish these are all things I've been able to do and that I have more opportunities to do if that makes sense yeah it does uh, one thing you said that is that because of all this sort of groundwork that you did, uh, it costs you money. Uh, do you feel like that is true all of the time? Or do you feel like uh, people in your position can potentially make money in the sport? Yeah, you can definitely make money. Um, I think as a, one, as a photographer, it can be hard. And then two, as a fight photographer, it's even harder. 
Um, the thing that I always feel a little cautious talking about is I didn't go to school for photography. I um, don't have like formal training. Everything is what I learned uh, on my own or the photographers that gave me their time and invested in me to grow. So as far as like making money and stuff, as a photographer, I don't have any game plans that I can share, but I can say, are there always going to be coaches and gyms and fighters that are willing to hire you? Yes. Is there promoters that are always looking for photographers at their show? Yes. If you can connect with a team that's willing to invest in you, there's always opportunity. Uh, you know that I came from Henzo Gracie in New York, and at the beginning, um, my pictures were complete shit. And the way that I carried myself was very, very small and so afraid to do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, be in the wrong place, you know? And over time, you know, my, my coach, Joe Samperi, he gave me a lot of opportunities. He had me come to the gym, shoot the training, shoot everything, like gave me complete full access. And with that, I was able to improve. And sometimes it wasn't the fighters hiring me. It was people who are, you know, normal, training going to learn a skill or just work out who saw what I was doing and they said hey I might not ever get photos of me training would you mind can I hire you or people who are there that um said I like the way you take pictures will you take pictures of you know uh my engagement things like that that were very unexpected but it helped me and it gave me some income so like I said um having this very narrow view sometimes you miss things that could help you. Like if I said, no, I'm just a Muay Thai photographer. I'm just a fight photographer. I'm not going to do photos of your engagement. You know, I, I think I counted on myself a lot. I trusted myself a lot to take chances and know that I'll figure something out. And if it doesn't come out the best, I can fix it or I can make it work, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so sort of not just relegating yourself just to being a fight photographer, especially in the world of Muay Thai, there's a lot of different options. Um, you know, one of the things that I remember you talking about was, you know, w with the story of Renzo Gracie and your coach, Joseph Sampari, um, just sort of giving you this first step. Uh, what skills do you think you developed uh, over time to help you get to where you are? Um, I wish I could say I have a tough skin, but I don't. So that's not one. Like people hurt my feelings very easily. But uh, I guess I would say the skills I've learned is having a tunnel vision. I don't know if that's a skill, but it's like, like, for example, if it's coming up and I'm getting ready to go for the U.S. team and my last couple experiences at IFMA, I feel like before I go, I'm so overthinking. I want everything to be perfect. And then when I get there, uh, I, I, um, I get frustrated with myself. Like, I should be faster. I should be better. I should do this. I should do that. And that's like the first two days. And then afterwards, it's like this light switches on. Like, hey, you're here. You can do this. Let's get this stuff rolling. Let's get it out. And by the end of the trip, I look back at what I made and I'm like, wow, because I was here 100%. Before when I was worrying, like, is this good? Is the light good? Is this like all this stuff that you overthink, but when you're in it and you're focused on what you're doing, 
there's nothing that gets in my way. Like there was times I'm up for almost 24 hours working and uh, I'm not like feeling sorry for myself. Like, oh, why is this happening to me? Why am I not X, Y, and Z or whatever? I'm thinking, wow, this is so exciting that I'm here at one of the most famous tournaments in the world with the best fighters, you know, at, in the world. And I get to do this, you know? So I think shifting my perspective, being less hard on myself and being really grateful for the moment. I don't know if these are skills, but I think it's something that a lot of people could take away from. Uh, one of the reasons why I love what I get to do is, especially coming from New York, working as a personal assistant, doing all the things that I did, I hated my job and I hated my life. And now where I am, I'm just super grateful and super excited to go do all these things, whether it's a, a fight in someone's backyard, like a backyard show, or at ISMA, I'm always excited to be there. And you talked about a little bit um, working at IFMA and you've done out here in Bangkok once and Turkey as well. Uh, so this is obviously another project for you. How do you go about creating these projects and what do you think they do for your career? So um, I guess the difference between IFMA and like my own personal project is IFMA, I go on behalf of the United States Muay Thai Federation. And before I go, um, I talk with Jeff Dohiel, who's the chief brand officer, and we make a game plan. And while I'm on the ground, he's there to support me. He's there to point me in the right direction. And uh, we work as a team to take the photos, edit the photos, get them up, get them out, and then, you know, go about the next day. Like, it's a very, I don't know how else to say it, like, news kind of process, journalistic kind of process, and it's something he takes very seriously, so that, um, which I appreciate because it's not, oh, go take pictures and, you know, let's see what happens. It's, we have a, a strategy. And from before I even leave till a few weeks after, we are following a formula of how we're going to post and how we're going to work. So there's definitely a game plan. And when things kind of um, get stressful, like for example, in Turkey, there was a few times I didn't have internet. There was some times that my camera didn't work. You know, we, we work together to figure out, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to share and so on. And that's taught me a lot when I go back home and I'm doing my own thing. Uh, for my own projects, for example, I just came back from Serbia, Novi Sad, and I spent two weeks with some athletes at Ronin Carnage Global, and their coach, uh, his name is uh, Misha Baksulov. And um, before I went, I had this plan. I was gonna do exactly these very specific things, and I was gonna come home and work on it at home, like the, the content that I made. And by the third day, everything went to complete shit on my end. And I was very stressed out and I was very upset because you know, I was trying to accomplish something very big and I felt overwhelmed. And you know, I, I don't know if this is the answer anybody wants to hear, but I went and I cried a little bit, felt my feelings. And then the next day I was like, okay, I'm here. I came to do this. And I know I can do this very well. So it's just going and getting the thing done. You know, I, I, it's mm -hmm. not anything like 
having the vision board and all this other shit. It's go do the work, come back, work on it more and go back out. Go back out there again and work even harder than you did the day before. Mm -hmm. And so because this is your third time with IFMA and you have, you know, fourth time uh, and you have experience doing this process, how do you think this project is going to be different from the others? I feel super confident and uh, super excited. Um, as I mentioned, I've made a really good relationship with Jeff, and I know that he trusts me a lot. I feel very lucky. Feel very lucky that USMS trusts me a lot, and that um, you know they have invested in me a, a lot as a photographer. They've given me a lot of opportunities. They've given me a platform. So the shy little meek Perry that kind of hit around corners to get pictures and stuff like that. I guess a little creepy when you think about it that way, but um, I feel like, I feel like I'm part of the team. So I feel like I can be confident and go and do my work instead of worrying. Do, do people like me? Did I take a picture they're not going to like? Did I do something to upset someone when I'm there to work? You know, I, I'm not worried about what people are thinking about me. And you said that, that this is, and you said this is your fourth time with IFMA. What do you think that you've gotten out of doing these projects so far? Uh, one for sure, really beautiful bodies of work that I'm extremely proud of. I've gotten some really amazing moments that um, that I'm very grateful. The whole experience was worth it. Just getting these photos. When I come back to wherever I'm coming back from, I usually get like an influx of work. People are seeing what I'm doing. People are excited to see the work that I'm doing. And I get a lot of uh, offers and opportunities. Like the first time that I came back from IFMA, it was, I had only been a photographer for one year. So that means I picked up a camera a year before and then a year later I was in Bangkok a little bit, you know, explains why I was crying a lot and worried because I didn't trust myself that I knew what I was doing. And when I came back, I was getting offers to shoot every promotion. People were willing to bring me to Boston, bring me to Florida, you know, just give me a lot of opportunities because they saw what I was able to create out in Thailand under stressful situations, you know? So now that I'm here in Holland, just coming back from Serbia and working with the really awesome team that is Ronin, I have been getting opportunities to shoot at different gyms, different fighters have reached out to me. Uh, people have seen a little bit of my video work and video editing. They're asking me to do the same for them. I'm getting offers to be flown back to the US for certain projects. So like I said, if I focus on, um, you know, like a monetary aspect of things, I don't think I'd go very far. But if I focus on the opportunities such as traveling and working with great people, I, I'm really getting that in, in abundance. Yeah. Um, you said you don't really focus on the monetary aspect, but it is important. How do you deal with that? And what is sort of your outlook on it? So as I mentioned at the beginning, um, I uh, struggled a lot financially because I needed to learn how to be a photographer and I needed to um, I needed to improve and I wanted to improve quickly. So my whole 
days were filled with shooting, with editing, with trying to learn. It's almost like going back to school, but this time there's no financial aid, you know? And um, I think also something I've learned now at the time, I didn't feel like I was good enough to charge very much. And also, as you know, a lot of the times fighters or coaches or sometimes promoters, they're putting everything they have for that opportunity for themselves. So sometimes paying a photographer isn't always possible. And there's other times that it really is. So it's just kind of knowing what the situation is. Now, as I mentioned, I do work three jobs. So I am still busting my ass to be able to get to do what I do. But now I'm being hired by, um, you know, here in Holland, they have a specific authority from the government for fighters and I've been hired by them. I've gotten hired by different teams, uh, different brands involved with fighting. So the opportunities do come, but as far as like surviving on just being a fight photographer, there's very, very few photographers I know that are able to do it even at the highest levels. And I have friends that work for some of the best promotions in the world that have multiple jobs just to get by some in Asia, some here in Holland, some in the US. So I know that it's not just, um, oh, I'm not asking for enough or my work's not good enough. I think just in the realm of fight sports, it can be a little tough to just make this your one and only thing, you know? Yeah, I think you mentioned a lot of really interesting things there. Uh, first, the sort of, you basically did an internship period where you were doing all this work, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to know is, do you think it's necessary? Like, is uh, that something that everyone needs to do in order to sort of have a, you know, something of a career in the sport? Um, then I had a couple other follow-up questions as well. Uh, as far as internship, like, I guess, like, like unpaid internship, I think, uh, this is kind of hard to answer a little bit, but um, from my own experience, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and a lot of what I was making was not quality work, I think. Like, I was capturing moments, but the pictures were blurry or very grainy, and still, there were people that were willing to pay me to do work. So I, I think really it's just dependent on what someone views about themselves because there's times I look back that I was like wow this was actually pretty good but they didn't pay me for it I wish they paid me you know mm -hmm. I guess the answer is if you can get paid do it if you can get something from it do it there's people who are not like me who are trained photographers and then they start shooting yeah 100% get your money don't take don't do stuff for free if you uh if you know what you're doing, you know, and then there's other times that I think if you're like me, where I was just shooting at the gym, wanting to get better, you, you know, someone answered this in a better way that I'm going to quote him is uh, Anthony Gathers, who's a really amazing photographer. He's been in the Times, he's done stuff for UFC, he's even done stuff for Instagram, extremely, extremely talented. And he gave me the advice when I very first started like if something's your own personal project, like, like, you know, the stuff I did in Serbia or, you know, the things I do with certain fighters here and in the U S 
you don't ask for money because that's your thing. That's your art. You're working on that. But if someone asks you to do something, always try to get paid. And that's mm -hmm. the best way I can answer that. Mm. And have you always felt comfortable charging people or do you, have you sort of waited for people to contact you about doing projects or have you gone out and sort of looking for work? And what is that uh, guess, process like? I, I guess I would say both. Like I said at the beginning, I was very uh, insecure for one or very like not confident in myself and what I was creating. So like I said, there was things that I did that I should have asked for payment or I should have asked for more than what I got. And um, as I improved, yeah, I would ask for work that I would contact friends like, hey, especially when I was in New York and it was, it's hard to live there, man. It's super hard to live there. Now that I live in Amsterdam, I think back on living in New York, like how did I do that for six years? That was super tough, you know? But um, I would talk to friends, hey, do you know anybody who could use me? Or I would post up uh, that I was available for certain times. And as I started traveling more, I started getting more opportunities. The year before COVID 2019, I was gone almost every weekend in a different city, a different state, or a different country. And when I'd come home, I was always packed with work because people were bringing me to their fights. People wanted me to shoot at their gym. People wanted me to do different things. And for a majority of that, I was getting paid. So I think the harder that you work, the more that you put yourself out there, the more that you ask, the more that's going to be given to you, you know? Um, and a couple other follow-up things. You said sometimes promoters uh, don't necessarily have it in their budget to pay photographers. Why do you think that is? Do you think that is changing? Um, and what do you think photographers and sort of creatives can give to promoters that make it worthwhile? Um, so I know this isn't like a popular answer to say this about um, promoters because I think people imagine all this money, the promoter sitting on it and they're just not giving you any, but I know lots of really great, awesome promoters that are pulling everything out of their own savings account to just put on a show. And um, I think when they're not able to pay for whatever reason, and I, I'm not going to go into like whether it's real or not real. In my experience, I've seen that people are putting everything they have to put the show together. Um, when I've had those experiences, uh, I usually wasn't the main photographer of the show. And I use that time to be creative and to experiment. So different angles, going backstage when there's fights going on, um, going into the crowd, like different things that if you're like the main, you're supposed to really be getting mostly the action shots and some entrance, some walkout, winter photos, stuff like that. When I wasn't the main and I was, you know, there um, not being paid or not being paid very much, I did whatever I wanted. And that's actually a lot of fun because you get to be backstage with someone just as they're about to walk out, you get that shot, like, you know, the eyes closed, telling themselves, okay, 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 you got this, you got this, you know? But when you're in the ringside in the front, you get a whole different thing, you know? So I think every experience um, 
if you have like a good attitude about it, you can get something out of every time. There was a, a Warriors Cup show that I wasn't the main photographer for. It was my friend Manny. And I put all those photos in black and white because I wanted to. I wanted to see how it would look differently. But if it was me, I, I think if I was the main, I don't think I would have been willing to do that. I would have wanted to look very, um, very like natural and whatever. But I was like, I can do whatever I want here. You know, I can be creative. I can experiment. And so I think, like I said, every opportunity, wherever you're situated in the venue, you can make something really cool and really exciting. Yeah. And I guess the last question is, what sort of value do you think that creatives like you and photographers add to shows and promoters? Well, a lot for sure. Um, there's like this video that a couple people have sent me of one of the guys from Shark Tank that he's saying the skills people need right now is being creative, being good with videos, being good with photography, because social media is such a huge part of our society now that if you know how to be good at social media and the assets that come with it, you could be really successful. So I think as photographers, as creatives, I, I think we help um, athletes, coaches, teams, everybody promote themselves. We give them, you know, a gift of having these moments and uh, remembering the experience. Um, something I want to say is I love seeing the old photos of people when they were fighting when they were younger. You know, there's a lot of really awesome coaches in the U.S. and I've made lots of friends here in Holland that every time I see a fight poster of them when they were in their 20s and fighting, I really love to see that because it's like, wow, that was who you were in this moment. You had no idea what was coming for you. And for you, having your face on this poster was such a big deal, you know? And they only got sometimes one photo, if that, from their entire experience. And now people can go to a show and get 20, 30 photos of them from beginning to end at the fight. And that's something I think that is extremely valuable. So I, I noticed that people who have been in the community for a long time are the people that are most supportive of me because they see the value in what I do. They have a lot of appreciation for the work and effort that I put into my work because, you know, whatever it was 10 years ago, you didn't get that, you know? Mm -hmm. And going back, I guess, a little bit to present day, you said that you have a few side jobs uh, and that you think that most high level photographers can't survive on fight photography alone. Is there some other ways that you feel, you know, creatives can survive off the sport and if not, how do you think that's possible? Um, I'm sure it's possible. And I'm just thinking of the photographers that I know that are at the highest levels. And all of them I know not don't just do fight photography. They do like fashion stuff. They do uh, different kinds of projects. So. And maybe, I don't know, like, I think maybe people are very high achieving, so they're not happy with just one thing. But I think also if you think about the fights 
if you work for a specific promotion, you're working maybe one week uh, a month, right? Like, uh, I think the outlier is Scott Verano, who's working like 46 weeks a year because Combate puts on so many shows, you know? But even then, you're still, you're not working like a normal nine to five where everything is set and you have like this salary that's waiting for you it's dependent on the promotion so like i said i think many people they are doing different things and they're working even if it's as a photographer various roles because i think right now as um as fight photographers i don't know i, I can't i think everybody i know has multiple things in the bag that they do i don't know if this is a good answer yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Um, you know, personally, there are a few people that do this sort of full time, uh, you know, like SM out here in Thailand uh, does sports photography, mainly Muay Thai photography full time. Um, there's other people that have sort of segued it into their own sort of projects, uh, Muay Thai XL, um, who is one of the owners for Primo, um, you know, there's other people in that sort of area where they take their creative work and attach it to a brand or do something like that in order to sort of make money. Um, but and then there's also people like for one championship, um, you know, the creatives that are doing the social media all the time um, because they definitely have a team or someone's, you know, making all their memes and all their TikTok videos. Uh, there is an element of creativity involved with that. Um, and I think like, just like you were saying with the Shark Tank uh, video, that these skills of being creative, of photo and video editing are becoming more and more important. Yeah, and I hope that that opportunity is present for more creatives and more photographers going forward, you know? I. <laughs> Just from maybe it's because I've worked only in the U.S. and now in Holland, my experience is different than people who are based in Thailand or uh, in Asia. But um, it could just be like capitalism shit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not saying it's easy, but you know, I prefer to think of it as a possibility, as something yeah, that you know we can definitely do. Uh, just looking around at the landscape of uh, Muay Thai and the way people's careers are developing, people are developing their careers and not just as fighters, not just as coaches, not just as gym owners. Uh, you know, so one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you is because I do think that you have a successful career in the sport. You know, is it the only thing you're doing? No, but is it a big chunk of your life? And, you know, it, I assume you make a decent amount of money off of these projects, whether they're personal or business. Um, I mean, you have, you have your website with a lot of photos on there. It, that must generate some revenue um, plus some of your other projects as well. I guess it's uh, when you're in it, you feel like you're not doing enough or you're not working hard enough. So it's nice. This is the nicest thing you've ever said to me that, you know, you think so well of my career because how I 
see it is all the ways I want to get better, all the things I could do better, all the ways that I could work harder. So it's, it's really nice to hear that you think so highly. <laughs> no, no problem. I wouldn't say if I didn't believe it. Um, I guess going back to some of the career stuff, obviously one of the big problems is the monetary one. Um, do you feel like there is some sort of solution for that or are there possibilities that you can do in the future or that other creatives can uh, sort of do? Yeah, um, I think if I could go back to like my younger self, even though I wasn't very happy with some of the things that I created, obviously you can tell the feeling is still here where there's things I wish I could do better. I would tell myself, if you can charge more, do it. Um, in general, like there was an example one time, there was some coaches that asked me to do a, a photo shoot for them. And I charged them, I think something very low because I was afraid, like, what if I don't do a good job? And at the shoot, he told me, hey, you're worth X amount of money. Like you really undercharged us. Like we want you to be charging more because you're worth more, like don't undersell yourself or try to do us any favors. Like we're asking you to shoot us because we want to support you. And I wish that when I look back at my time in New York, I was more aware of that, like how much people were willing to support me. And you know, I, I did a good job, you know, like there's things that could be better always, but I did a good job. So I think one, Ask, you know, don't do, um, don't undersell yourself or give everybody the homie discount because you're not sure if it's good or whatever. If people really see value in your work, they're going to be willing to pay for it. And um, I think as far as getting more money into the sport, you know, you and I are both working on this book and uh, about USA Muay Thai and I've interviewed several coaches who have been around since the beginning of Muay Thai in the U.S. And I asked all of them, what do you think we can do to get more money in the sport? And everyone has a different answer. Uh, some people think getting sponsorships. Some people think promoters paying more. You know, there's, there's lots of different answers. So as far as my opinion, I don't really know because I'm here in Holland where fighting is the big thing, you know, kickboxing, and I still know fighters here that are struggling, and I know other fighters that are super well off, and it doesn't matter what their championship status is or um, what they have going on, it's still hard for them. And I know fighters in Thailand who some of them are doing really well, and some of them are still struggling. So as far as an answer, I, I don't really have one. I just hope as Muay Thai in general becomes bigger and more accepted and more well-known, more opportunities come for all of us. You know, Versace is wearing Muay Thai shorts on the runway. People are finding out about the sport, you know? Yeah. Um, you brought up a lot of good points there. Uh, something that I wanted to ask you about, though, is, you know, originally you were afraid to charge more or you sort of undervalued yourself do you feel like when people undervalue themselves and sort of uh, lowball their own prices 
that the general market um, and valuation for people that are doing creative work goes down? Or do you feel like, you know, your personal choices impact the larger prices and market of work? That's also, I think, hard to answer because, uh, yeah, for sure, if you're not charging a lot and then your friend is charging a little bit more and someone who just wants something, they don't care what it looks like, they're going to go for the person who charges less. That's 100% the case, you know? But when I was shooting in New York, at least what I was doing specifically, like not counting boxing, not counting other stuff, Muay Thai, there was a handful of us and i think i i don't want to speak for anybody else i think though it's not i don't i don't know if there was so many opportunities if that makes sense so i don't know yeah i guess if you're not charging more you're affecting you know your colleagues your fellow fight photographers which is why it's important to be fair in your pricing and I think also, though, with Muay Thai photography specific, not any other specific, I don't know. I don't feel like there was a lot of money in general coming in anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I guess you mentioned that there were other photographers in New York. Uh, do you feel that there is room for more creatives and photographers in the sport? And where can they go and how do you think they should develop? Yeah, definitely there's more room. Um, I think I've talked about him before, but my mentor in New York is Josh Brandenburg. He was my coach at Henzo's and he was also like resident photographer at the gym. And Josh invested in me so much. He let me borrow one of his lens. He'd bring me uh, as an assistant to different shoots every chance he got to help me. Josh would help me. He would help me edit my photos. The guy taught me everything he could. And uh, a really, you know, metaphorical way of how he treated me is, you know, at the at the ring, sometimes there's not enough room. Josh would make himself in a bad situation, you know, ringside to make sure I had a spot at the ring. You know, that's how much he invested in me. And I'm always going to appreciate everything he did for me because he went above and beyond. Um, and because of that, look, like, look at all the stuff I've been able to create and all the stuff I've been able to do and all the ways I've been able to help people because of someone believing and investing in me. I see that there's a lot of up-and-coming photographers in the U.S. that I want to see more opportunities for. There's this guy in Florida, and I think his name on Instagram is like Christos Photos. And he's out oh, of yeah, H H R Risto's photos or yeah. Yeah. He, he, he shoots out of uh Ace of Ten Pals place. Yeah, he's out of FK and I first saw him because it was when Asa was fighting Kevin Ross. And you know, I miss my friends and all this, but there's nothing that I'm like, Oh, I wish I was in the US for but that fight I wish I was in the United States for, you know? Like, that was something I was like, wow, I wish I could have gone and shot that. And I saw his photos. They were super crispy, super clean, great action photos. Everything was edited so nice. I was like, who is this guy? Because he's freaking good. Like, he needs to know that he's good. 
you know? Mm -hmm. And over the last couple of months, I've been watching him, watching what he does, seeing the way he shoots, and then everything. I'm super impressed, you know? Like, that's someone I really want to see get more opportunities. Or um, there's a female photographer. Her name is Taylor, and she's, uh, I think, in Virginia. And she got to shoot Bellator and Invicta. And again, she's also super clean, super crispy, great photographer. Mm -hmm. Like, even from here, I'm rooting for them. I want them yeah, to do well so they have opportunities too, you know? And that's uh, for people out there in internet land, that's Taylor Sims. Yeah, Taylor Sims. Super yeah. good, great photographer. Um, what do you think that it will take uh, for sort of photographers and other people in our positions to get to that next level and be able to live off the sport? I think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Instagram is a big part of media and marketing now more than ever. Like sometimes I'm going through Instagram and I feel like I'm just looking at ads the whole time. And um, I think people are recognizing how much value it has so they're willing to invest in it and i'm just hoping with time that money comes in like i think if i asked businesses five years ago hey will you pay me to run your instagram they say no we can do it and now that's like a real opportunity people are willing to pay for photos just to have it on instagram you know so i i think just the the direction that our world is going is going to become something people are investing in anyway. Great. Well, uh, just wrapping things up, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to talk about? I'd like to talk about my project a little bit. Oh, but yeah, I'd love to hear about your uh, newest project. Is this where you turn off the podcast and then I, I'm just kidding. You can cut this part out. Okay. So, um, my project is I am working on a little documentary, so video, and for everybody who's seen mostly photography from me, they're probably like, why are you doing that? And um, I wanted to tell the stories of fighters that are living in other countries just to fight, because when I moved to Holland and with how hard it was, like really almost impossible moving during the pandemic, and then being alone for like five or six months here because uh, the Netherlands was still on lockdown. There was lots of times that I asked myself, like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I could have had such a cozy life in the U.S. if I just worked um, as a publishing assistant or something, you know. And um, there was lots of fighters that I've met and talked to who are willing to give up everything just to fight, even if it means they live in a different country, if they are without a lot of money. Um, and so my first place that I went to was Serbia and I documented uh, Olivier Ross from Ronin Carnage Global, like his training and what that looked like. Now I'm preparing to work with some athletes in Thailand and a few athletes here in Holland, telling their story what makes them want to do this? Because thinking about fighting is such a crazy thing. Like you go in a ring to hit someone else and you could get really hurt. And then you spend your whole life at the gym. Like, I don't know how some of these people have girlfriends or social lives. They don't usually. 
Like, I, it's hard to think about, even though I've been documenting the sport for so many years, like, what makes you really want to do this? And I think I'm a great person to tell the story because I know that a lot of my work is very emotional. And there's some things, though, that just photography doesn't cut it. Writing doesn't cut it. You have to hear and see these people. And for anybody who's a fan of fight sports, watching the corny movies that are online about fighters like that's not accurate sometimes people aren't heroes you know or i don't know i feel like i can just tell the story in a way that will touch a lot of people and help them see themselves so that's something i'm working on great well we definitely look forward to that and the project you and i are working on should hopefully be finished sometime in early next year um so where can people find you and follow along with you on your journey or uh, contact you for business opportunities? Uh, primarily Instagram. It's Perry.cherry underscore because there's other Perry Cherries in the world. And uh, my website is Perry-cherry.com. Well, thank you so much uh, for your time, Perry. I really appreciate it. And I am looking forward to seeing you soon out here in Thailand. Thank you, Matt. So I want to interview Perry because I think she's done an incredible job with her career. Uh, she started off as she describes in the show, with having no skills whatsoever. And she went on to shoot for a lot of high-profile shows, um, including Glory. She's traveled internationally, shot at the If My Game several times. Um, and she's recently moved to Holland to continue to pursue a career in sports photography and being a creative in the sport. So I think she's a real inspiration and she has a lot of knowledge that she can share with people. So without further ado, the interview with Perry. So I always really enjoy talking to Perry. She's super fun. She has a great personality. I think there was a lot of things to learn as well. Uh, you know, the Shark Tank analogy where she talks about the CEO of Shark Tank talking about how important it is now for people to have, you know, photo skills, to have video skills, to have creative skills. There's just a huge growing economy of creators and content marketers that are growing. And it's happening in the general economy i think it's showing up in the world of muay thai and the sports world i think there's a lot of really important things that she said about um understanding uh, how to work with promoters uh you know doing projects sometimes personal projects and having that create a influx of work uh, because of the exposure from these projects so I definitely appreciate Perry, and I'm looking forward to seeing her new project uh, based on her experiences in, in Serbia and around the world. Also, she will be out here in Bangkok soon, so I'm sure you will see more of her content soon. So thank you so much for listening. As always, this has been I'm Fighting in Thailand, best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas. 
journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people.